0: Hello and welcome to the Empowered Hormone Podcast, where we pull apart all those taboo topics, periods, parasites, poos, hormones and more. Let's question everything you've been taught about your body. I'm your host, Sheridan Decker, a gin-loving gut health nerd, passionate about debunking myths on birth control, period pain and IBS. If you struggle with bloating or your period is less than pretty, then join me as we chat about everything relating to gut and hormone health. Hello, hello, (laughs) welcome to episode 69 on the Empowered Hormones podcast, how to do an elimination diet with a busy life. So it's a bit of a mixed episode in the sense that it's something that I really find, um, I talk a lot about with clients, so they might be like, "Look, I'm really busy and I'm really tired, and I'm trying to do this protocol, or I want to do this elimination diet, or I'm on a SIBO protocol, and I'm just really struggling to stay on top of it all without falling off the bandwagon." So, if this is you, if you're busy, if you're tired, if you feel like you're juggling a lot of things, and you're kind of going, "How do I?" do it all Sheridan how do you do it how do I do it this episode is for you so how do we find the meal the headspace sorry to meal prep uh, to follow a bacteria eradication wow my words eradication protocol and remove trigger foods so this week I just want to talk through some of those things and some practical ways to make changes without the overwhelm of a total lifestyle overhaul so When you have irritable bowel syndrome or IBS or, you know, we know that I don't love that term, um, but basically when you have gut issues, eating can often trigger you. Okay, so it presents a lot of challenges. Um, It's really helpful to know what foods do trigger you so what things make your symptoms worse and for me I found that really helpful when I was going through my gut healing stuff to know that legumes garlic onions gluten some of those big food groups uh, were quite triggering for me and when I knew that then even though I knew it wasn't a long-term approach I could avoid them which would just help me stay on top of my symptoms and mean I wasn't bloated or constipated or in pain because yes you know um Uh, avoiding foods isn't a great long-term approach and all that jazz but if you want to go socialize if you want to go do things if you want to exercise and you're constantly struggling with symptoms then it actually is a really good approach to avoid these foods because at least you can live your life so sometimes we and get triggered by certain foods so say I went out for dinner on the weekend um, and as soon as eating they said yep this is gluten-free bread the meal is gluten-free as soon as I had a mouthful I started to feel like my stomach felt a bit weird and then as the meal went on it just got more and more painful and I got more and more bloated and I haven't had that bloating Probably since I did the gluten challenge, which would have been end of last year, so the six weeks of eating gluten for the blood testing for celiac, um, and the pain when I got home and I took my dress off and stood in the mirror, I was like, wow, I look pregnant. Like it was just this huge triggered bloating, which was just from the gluten because I know I have a gluten allergy. So to me removing those foods are really important and when I was in the midst of my gut stuff removing garlic and onions was helpful as well or legumes are really hard one even now I wouldn't go by choice and eat a massive bowl of legumes or a lentil curry or something because it would really trigger um, my gut because I've had 10 years of gut damage I'm not the same as someone who's never had any gut issues and I just need to be okay with that as well so It differs from person to person, but if you take a symptom systematic approach, we can sort out which foods have effect on your symptoms and that's where something like the low FODMAP diet plays a really big role so in the gut health solution we do go through this removal and these healing stages together so that's in my six-week course um, which I'm about to launch live again which will be fun hoping for a nice committed small group of women to do that with but basically we track these foods we track your triggers and then we work on reintroducing these foods and finding out what your triggers actually are. Are. and like i said sometimes this is a root cause approach if you have an allergy to it other times it's just about symptom managing management and getting you through the day-to-day so some of these elimination diets um like i said they remove a host of foods so that you can actually identify what's going on so your fodmaps if you haven't heard of them before i've got a couple podcast episodes on them but basically The short-chain carbohydrates, uh, they're poorly absorbed and they're highly fermentable. So basically your intestinal bacteria react to these and cause a lot of cramps and bloating and gas. Um, They are found in a lot of foods, uh, some of these including your uh, garlic, your onions, your beans, your wheat, your stone fruits, like your peaches, um, can be some of your really, really big triggers. Even lactose for some people is a massive trigger as well. So... The other aspect is if someone's going, if someone's got SIBO, like a small intestinal bacterial overgrowth, there are a couple phases that we go through: phase one diet and then phase two diet to uh, modify your, I guess, your eating situation, and then to reintroduce the foods back in later. So, my first suggestion when someone starts either a low FODMAP diet or a restrictive diet or a SIBO diet is meal prepping. So what simple meals, what bulk cooking can you do that's going to make the next couple days easier? What things can you make on repeat? So for example, for me, what do I do every week? And be mindful, I'm not in a low FODMAP phase at all. I eat a very vast range of foods, but Every week I boil a heap of rice, I steam or boil some potatoes, I roast a few veggies um, and I I cook up a whole heap of mince. So I've got a few staples sitting there in the fridge so I never open the fridge door and go, oh, there's no food in here or I have a couple tins of tuna or oysters sitting in there that I know even if it's a simple meal of fruit, tuna and rice or fruit oysters and rice or fruit oysters and steamed veggies they are there i always make sure my freezer has some greens in it so i can grab some greens out i can um, mash up some tuna with a little bit of even if it's a little bit of yogurt and dijon dijon mayonnaise um mustard sorry to give it a little bit of flavor and just keeping it simple okay so Pick a few things that are really simple, easy things to do. Make sure there's hard cheeses like Parmesan. Make sure there's a bit of fruit that you know you can tolerate. Have a little bit of dip in there of one that you can tolerate. So a gluten, dairy-free one or a hummus where you can have a small amount knowing your gut's okay with it. Have a bit of yogurt. Have jerky in the cupboard. Um... Have some nuts, some seeds, some dark chocolate. Make sure you have them on hand. Make a list of 10 almost non-perishable things. Have eggs in there. Boil up some eggs. So things that are simple that you can grab and just eat and go. So again, in the Gut Health Solution, the six-way course, we do go through these changes together. And there are new recipes that help you make those changes. So That might be really helpful for you if you're ready to commit to that. So that kicks off in June. The other thing that a lot of people struggle with is their supplements and getting into a habit stacking routine with them. So habit stacking is when we pile another habit on top of a habit we already have. For example, um, when I go to bed at night, I read my book. Now, that's a pretty standard habit for me. If I wanted to journal or meditate as well, I would do that after or before reading my book I'm automatically going to read my book then I also meditate for 30 seconds or a minute or whatever I another example is I brush my teeth every night if I then Wanted to apply a moisturizer to my legs, I would make sure I do that before or after brushing my teeth because I know I'm going to brush my teeth every night because I'm in the habit of doing it. If I stack another habit next to that habit, I'm more likely to stick to it. So in the morning, I eat breakfast every day. When I have breakfast, I take my supplements. They sit right there in the cupboard. I see them all. I can't forget them and I know what I'm taking. Sometimes I'll write on the containers AM or PM. Or the amounts so I just get a marker. Um, if it's a more complex protocol, like if you've got some real severe bacterial overgrowth, I suggest using the packing slip sent to you by the supplement company that actually has all the amounts and types of supplements on it and stick that on your fridge or stick it in your container wall so that you can use that. Okay, I used to write it out by hand and be like, Cool. Um, breakfast I take this lunch I take this dinner I take this in between when I'm taking my binders I'm activated charcoal this is when I take it or set reminders on my phone or take it with me to work because to heal properly you do actually do need to do all those things it's really hard to get the same results if you're only compliant half the time so set a routine set reminders if you need them, put them in spots you can see them. It's like if you want to drink a glass of water every morning and keep forgetting, put a glass in the fridge so as soon as you open the fridge door in the morning to grab your milk or whatever it is out of there, you see the glass of water and you drink it. It's making these habits really obvious to yourself. The other thing is planning around events. So a lot of people freak out when they're in a bacterial or a FODMAP or um, elimination diet going, but I've got this wedding and I've got this event and what am I going to do? And it's going to throw all my hard work out the window when your stress radar goes through the roof. If it is stressing you out, it is not healthy. Okay, so I always say 80-20 rule. Yes, it's not beneficial to go out and drink every night when you're in the middle of this protocol because that's a lot of extra work for your body but if you have an event one think about okay well yeah you can go eat those foods but you may end up symptomatic are you okay with being bloated sore constipated having diarrhea that's your first question am i okay with that if you're okay with that then cool Eat whatever you want to eat on that night. And if you're like, well, I'm not really, I don't actually want to get sick, then okay, work around it, see what options there are. Take your digestive enzymes, take your magnesium to help your bowel move things through. Take your probiotics before and after. Make sure you're doing the things to manage your food intake if you really flare up from high FODMAP foods see if there's an option to not have to not eat those foods so that you're not sick for the next couple days so that's more the question is no one night out is not going to wreck all your hard work but it may make you sick are you okay with being sick the other thing you really need to be doing is tracking your progress and goal setting so There's a couple different ways to track your progress. You can do that um, in the Monash University app as you track your symptoms and you use that for your food tracking. You can track it on Chronometer, MyFitnessPal, but you can't really track progress because you're not actively noting down bowel movements. Um, period changes mood swings all that kind of stuff so i always recommend monash university app and a period track app like kindara i just personalize kindara put my favorite symptoms in there and then just note down how or what i'm changing um uh, in each cycle the yeah chronometer my fitness power great for macros but if you're sort of in that healing stage of an elimination diet i would definitely use something that's a little bit more specific to your healing goals at the time because you need these goals you need your outcomes and you need to know your why why are you doing what you're doing is it for weight is it for health is it for your hormones is it for your mood is it for your skin Find your big why, then break it into little why's. And I always do this with clients to go, okay, for the next four weeks, we're bacteria-focused. For the next four, we're yeast-focused. These things change. These things take time. But you need these small goals. For this week, you need to focus on five different veggies, taking your supplements regularly and walking three times a week. So set those small goals for yourself. Write them on your calendar, write them in your phone. I don't care where you put them. Note them down so that you stick to them. Um, You want to be able to track things like your bowel movement changes rather than specifically your weight changes. If there is weight changes, you need to also be mindful that a kilo Is not a huge shift. Okay. So track it over like a kilo over a day or two is nothing to be concerned about. Think about it over a week. If you're going to track weight, do it every day and then get an average at the end of the week and then compare it to the average at the end of the next week and the next week and the next week. So do that for a month and then tell me what's changed. Don't do it from day to day and don't even do it from week to week because you're going to fluctuate around your cycle as well so you need an average the best indicator really is um body weight measurements that's probably the uh sorry body body weight measurements measurements with a um sorry my brain's totally gone today um body measurements that's the one <laughs> circumference you know what I mean. Uh, so that's a really good way of doing it. Or if you can get onto a body scanning app or something, that's going to tell you muscle and fat. thing in mind that they're not always 100% accurate, but that's going to give you a better indicator. But again, if your bowel movements are all over the place, your weight's going to be all over the place because you might be constipated, so you'll be a bit heavier and then you have diarrhea for a couple of days, so you're going to be a bit um, looser. So it's really not a good indicator when you're in that healing stage. And then lastly, really support. Who is your support network? Who is helping you through this? Who's cheering you on? Who's doing it with you? Who can you bounce ideas off? So when I work with women one-on-one in the Root Cause program, so not the Gut Health Solution, but my one-on-one clients, they have a community ...of a Facebook group where they can ask SIBO recipes, questions, ideas and things. But then they also have direct one-on-one access to me. So when they have a massive symptom flare-up. So there is that that double layer of support there. So they know at any point in time they can reach out and they can ask me or they can ask their community. Now this is a newish thing but I found it so important because you need to know that there's support there... Also, because for a practitioner to follow up with every single client every couple of days is a massive, massive admin task and it's just not viable. So, knowing that the doorway is always open makes it a lot easier to be there for your clients. Um, in the Gut Health Solution, the six weeks course, you get so much support. So, you get an amazing community where everyone's going through all the steps and changes together, which is super fun as well. Um, and you get the weekly calls and check ins. So make sure you join the Gut Health Solution Facebook group um, and stay in up to date there or on the email list of making sure you're on the pre-sale list so that you get a sneaky discount when that is launched in June as well, because that should be super fun. So it is self-paced that you can just join anytime and do it. But if you join up um, for the June round, that will be super exciting. Also, husband, friend, someone else with gut issues, are there friends, family members who can also support you in this journey as well? So make sure if you are doing it, I know it's hard um, with family members sometimes if they don't want to change their diet. But something like a low FODMAP diet is pretty easy to incorporate a range of foods that most people are going to eat because it's actually a very diverse diet. It's just excluding a few trigger foods and looking at the amount so it's quite easy to modify for a family as well so have a chat with the people that you live with and go hey this is what I'm doing or don't have a chat with them and just do it and basically you just eat a slightly different range of foods um but it's not like if you're still having rice and all your veggies and all your meats you might just be changing your garlic for garlic infused oil you might be leaving out onions or just having the green bits of shallots so you just change things slightly um, to modify it and make it work for you while you're doing your healing So I hope that was helpful. Um, Make sure you go and do the gut health quiz if you haven't and see where your digestion is at. Send me a DM on Instagram, Sheridan underscore functional nutrition. Uh, Check out my website in the show notes to have a look at the information for the gut health solution. Send me an email, book a free chat or send me a DM if you want to chat about that. I would love to have you involved in it. Uh, Otherwise, if you like, stuff this i'm done i want to get some testing done then totally reach out and we can go do that for you as well please leave me a sneaky review and i would love to connect with you somewhere in the future thank you for listening to another episode of the empowered hormone podcast if you know a female who needs some empowerment please forward repost tag or share and let's get women talking